0: Welcome, to Radius. So, uh, my front row folks, we, we're missing a couple front row folks, but we got some stepping in, and our extroverts are in high effect right now because I could tell that was hard to shut down. That was good. It's was good. Let me pray, Jesus. Uh, some of us have done this a bunch of times, some of us have uh, been to church since we were kids, and uh, some of us just started uh, here at Radius White Knoll. And uh, we we've logged a few Sundays together, and so because of that, we we uh, can get in just like this habit of doing this, and it can lose it can lose something. So we pray, we pray that your Spirit would help us, help us find our way to you. We don't want to miss you this morning, Lord. We don't want to just do this because we do it. Help us, help us truly interact with you this morning. Uh, pray that your word would come to life. You wrote it; it's got power, but it only has power when you bring it that way. So we we ask you to move in it, in your in your name, Jesus. Amen. Uh, when I was a young pastor, I got this book. It was called "Fresh Wind, Fresh, Fresh Fire." I don't know if any of y'all read it. It was probably twenty years ago. I was, I was a young pastor, remember? And uh... and I read it, and and and. it was was a pastor from New York City and he wrote about his life and his kind of story and it moved me matter of fact it moved me so much some of y'all have no idea how this works there was no internet (laughs) I know that's shocking but I actually got on the phone and dialed 411 and tried to figure out where this church was from Jim Simbel I was probably 27, 28 so I found out where it was and I asked them when they had prayer meeting and they had prayer meeting on Tuesday nights and so guess what I did I got in my 82 Nova, all right, 82 Nova, and I took two guys, and we got in the car, and we drove to New York City, and we we went to the prayer meeting. We showed up around 5, prayer meeting's supposed to be at 7, so we walked up to the door, which was a little complicated for somebody who's never been in the big city, because we rode the train, and it was was freaky, but anyway, we got all the way to the place, and we wanted to get something to eat, but I thought I'd just peek in, and they had a sign right by the door where, where this church was to be quiet, and, and put yourself in a position to speak to God. So I, I thought, that's cool, and I felt a little scared to walk by it. And I walked by the sign, I turned, my, turned the corner into the auditorium, and they had removed all the chairs, and there was 300 people, I'm guessing, up front. They're all standing, and they're praying, and the service doesn't start for another two hours. I'm going, what kind of people are these? They show up early to pray, and, and they're praying out loud, all of them together. So we were hungry. We ran around the corner. We got something to eat, and, and then I uh, came back in about a half hour, and I thought maybe they had like a pre-game prayer meeting. You know, some of us really organize. We do a little quick pre-game prayer meeting, except they got 300 people there, and they all pray at the same time. But I come back in a half hour later, and everybody's still praying. And uh, as, I, as I walked up, I'd never been in a church where everybody prayed at the same time out loud. Because so it, was, it was a little sketch. I was like, what in the world did I just walk up into? And, and people keep praying. And I, I, so for a little while, I just watched. And I stood in the back, and I noticed all shades of colors of folks. And I noticed all types of folks from different socioeconomic backgrounds. Some were really poor in there. You could smell them. And, and there were some in there that were really rich. You could smell them because they could spray some extra on them. I don't know. You could just, you could kind of see this thing. And people were praying. They're all praying out loud at the same time. And it, took me, it took me 20, at least 20 minutes to just finally start to say something to the Lord. And I started to pray. And I tried not to be distracted by all the noise. And it took me a little while. My voice got louder and I prayed a little louder. There's a couple ladies behind me begging God for their kids. It was distracting, but it was also empowering as I heard them pour themselves out, begging God on their kids' behalf. And it was just this crazy three, four hours. I don't know how long. The pastor, I mean, they actually start the service on time at seven. The organ player could just, could just kick it. And, and the organ player was like up in the balcony. He would play, and people knew the songs, and they would sing a little bit, and then they'd pray some more. Pastor stood up, and he talked maybe seven minutes. <laughs> that, was, that was cool. And then the people, it, was, it was about praying that's what it was about and so at one point they invited folks to come up to pray in the front and so I decided to make my way up to the front and there was maybe a 70-ish uh, year old black man up front and he was skinnier than me which made me feel kind of comfortable and uh, he looked at me and he put my, his hands, he faced me up and he put my, his hands on my shoulders and he just started praying, it was crazy I'd never seen it before in my life Eventually, he prayed for a little while, and then he started confessing my sins. I'm like, wait a minute. I think that's my job. Let me confess my own sins. (laughs) Don't go public with this stuff. And he, at some point, he goes, Lord, please help this kid stop watching so much TV. I'm like, does he just know that, like, 20-somethings watch a lot of TV, or does he know that I watch a lot of TV? I, I mean, it was just this weird where I didn't feel condemned. He wasn't, like, coming down on me. He, like, seemed concerned for me. Like, he cared for me, and he wanted to empower me to live differently than I was living i me tell you something, boy. It was this crazy trip. I would never trade it. And some of y'all in this room, some of y'all in your 20s, you need to get in the car and go somewhere. Stop reading about stuff. Go find it. You want it. You got to go get it. It was this great experience. But the only way I had it was I was, in, I was moved by the passage. And then I did the work. <laughs> Back in the day, that was 411. And I got in the car and I spent my money to go get it. And I took some friends and then I took what I learned and I brought it back from the church and I thought, I never want to be a part of a church that doesn't know how to pray. It just doesn't really make any sense. And so this passage today in John is, uh, is cool because as I say that, don't hear that like a ton of bricks or like this deep accusation. It's this gift. I felt like the old man that prayed over, he wanted to give me this gift. And I feel it when I read this passage, as Jesus speaks to the disciples, his boys, his team, as you would. If you've ever been on a team and you had a great coach, you can imagine the coach standing up front, he's talking to the team, and he loves you, he'd do anything for you, and Jesus is speaking, he's just told these guys that he's going to leave the Holy Spirit, and it went right over their head, right? I mean, it was was a difficult concept for them to grab, and then he goes on, and he talks, and I just want to read to you what Jesus had to say. In a little while, you won't see me anymore. Jesus is always dropping crazy lines on these poor guys. And uh, they try to process. But a little while after that, you will see me again. And some of the disciples asked each other. I love this way they always talk to each other instead of asking Jesus. Some of us do that. We talk to each other, but we never really ask Jesus. Um, and, and they said, what does he mean when he says in a little while uh, you won't see me, but, you, uh, but then you will see me. And what does he mean when I say, uh, I'm going to the Father? And what does he mean by a little while? We don't understand. Jesus realizes that they wanted to ask him about it, so he said, Are you asking yourselves what I meant? I said in a little while you won't see me, but in a little while after that you will see me again. Don't you love it when your parent you go talk to your parents and you say, What did you mean when you said, and then they just say the same thing? They just said, I want to like more, not like the same sentence you just said a few minutes ago, and then Jesus gives more. He says, I tell you the truth, you'll weep and mourn over what's going to happen to me, but the world will rejoice. What's he talking about? What's Jesus talking about? You'll weep and you'll mourn over what's going to happen to me. Has Jesus died yet at this point in John? Is it John 17, 16? No, he had not died yet. And he's saying, look, in, in just a little bit, you guys are going to be so distraught, you're not going to know what to do with yourselves. You bet your whole lives on me. And I'm gonna die. They they're not comprehending that at the moment, but but he's just he's trying to prepare them for the moment. I tell you the truth. The, uh, but the world will rejoice. Everybody else will be part of him. You will grieve, he says, but your grief will suddenly turn to wonderful joy. You remember that? Remember we, talk, we talked about this at Easter, Peter and John, they come and they find the, the tomb empty and it's on and they celebrate and they have, they have this great party. And Thomas, he actually wants to touch. I mean, he doesn't really want to, but Jesus says, you want to touch it? I'll prove it to you. It's just this beautiful scene of, of the God who they thought they were following dying where they are just distraught. And then all of a sudden there's this utter joy when it's true and it's more true than it ever was because he rose from the grave. And I, I, hope, I hope you've experienced that kind of joy. I hope that you've confessed your sins to Jesus and you trusted him as your Savior. And you've enjoyed this, this gift that he gives. That gives you a freedom like nobody else on the face of the earth. Because you have the right to call his father your father. Check out the verses because he, he goes on and... I I love these. Uh, It will be like a woman uh, suffering pains of labor. When her child is born, her anguish gives way to joy because... She has brought the new baby into the world. We got a couple babies back in the back. Sometimes you get to hear them. Uh, I've witnessed this six times, and what is freakish is that you watch this woman that you thought was a little frail, because I'm a guy, and and I thought I was tough, and and she gets in there, and she gives birth to this child, and all of a sudden, you're looking at her like, I am scared of my wife, because she is tough as nail. How did she pull that off? I mean, it is like, you see her go, worst part is in, was back in the day, some of y'all don't know, they didn't used to insulate the walls real well, and Cheryl's giving birth, and I'm hearing all these other women yelling, right? I'm like, ease up, man. You're distracting me. I'm trying to take care of my woman. Who does? She do not yell much, but it's just in there. It's this incredible pain, and then then the next thing you see is a snapshot of Cheryl holding one of the babies, and she's glowing with utter joy. Like, how'd she go from what? I saw her having the focus, <laughs> doing stuff like that, just complete focus to beat the pain, right? Did I do that? I need to... I would have passed out, wouldn't I? But anyway, there's like this, this, this complete focus to beat the pain. And then seconds later, utter joy as she holds what was worth it. And Jesus takes that metaphor and he says, that's what it's going to be like. You were lost, right? You saw me die. You thought it was over. You thought there was no hope. And then you saw me risen from the grave, and all of a sudden you went from from complete anguish and pain to utter joy. And, and it's for many in this room, that's what we've done. Maybe you're here for the first time, and that's who we are. We're a we're a group of people that is lost just like you, but Jesus found us. He made a way for us. He gave us life, and many of us have tasted this. This joy that he's talking about in this passage. Uh, verse 22. So if you, you have sorrow now, but I will see you again, and then you will rejoice, and no one can rob you of that joy. I love that line. Nobody can rob you of that joy. That means nobody can take what he gave to me away. It seems like the only person that ever affects my joy in, in, in the salvation that I have in Jesus is who? Me. He says no one, nobody else could come in here and take my joy, but I seem to have the possibility of taking my joy. I, I bring in all this other stuff that distracts me sometimes and it, it steals my joy and uh, I curse myself. But he says, hey, nobody's going to come in there and take that. It's it's a done deal. At that time, you won't need to ask me for anything. I tell you the truth, you will ask the Father directly, and he will grant your request because you use my name. What a wonderful passage. Right? He says, come on in and speak to the Father and just drop my name. Right? I don't know if you know these guys, but the Hebrews were intimidated by the father they were careful by even the way they used the name they held him in the utmost reverence they remember the stories of moses where you didn't get close to the mountain that god was on you stay off the mountain because god the holy god was so awesome nobody we, we could use a little bit of getting back to that Right. Sometimes we talk about Jesus as a homeboy. And that's it. This is the God of the universe. And there is fear for who he is in all of his holiness. And the Hebrews completely understood that. And now Jesus is saying, you can go straight into the father and just drop my name. We got any name droppers in here? Got any name droppers in here? You know, like, if you go up to one of these restaurants up here, you, you could drop, if you go to, there's a guy at uh, Radius Lexington, you go to Chick-fil-A, and you just say, Chris Seavey, they're going to hook you up, because he's there every day. He's their guy. You just drop his name. We, but Chapel, I see Chapel out here. We had Paris's over there, Sydney. If you need to drop a name, you go over to White Knoll High School, all you got to do is say Paris, and then, then Dean Howe will give you anything you want, because he, he told me it's the nicest person he's ever met in his life, and she got, like, 17 awards this Weekend. It's embarrassing. You got to carry a backpack to carry that. I'm d- By the way, the white and old kids, I mean, Sydney's here, there's a group of them. They, they just dominated the athletic award ceremony and the academic thing. I was, y'all killing. It. I'm proud of you. But it's fun to have somebody's name to drop, right? Because it gives you access that you didn't have. One time there was a famous preacher preaching, and there was this big group of people, and I had a kind of front row seat, and I've met him before. He came off the stage and he gave me a hug. I'm not really what what possessed him to give me a hug. I looked like I needed a hug, but he came off the stage. He gave me a hug, and I was still the same person that I was before. But all of a sudden, everybody in my section like, ooh, who are you? I mean, like, I'm still the same guy, but now now I can drop his name, and they're going to buy my lunch. It's a good thing. Jesus says to the disciples, the God that you fear, that's accurate, hold him in high reverence, but I'm going to give you the opportunity. I got this great gift I want to give you. I'm going to give you the opportunity to speak to him, and he's going to listen to you because you use my name. I hope you feel this in this passage. Sometimes I think at church we feel, like, feel condemnation when somebody reads from the Bible. This is Jesus in utter excitement giving his guys the greatest gift he knows earlier in the chapter he talked about the holy spirit now he's just talking about being able to communicate with god mother's day a couple days ago uh we're out of town and uh my boys have not always hit it out of the park on mother's day let's just say two years ago we would probably give them a d minus i think there might have been a little effort but we won't fail them. We're going to fail them on two years ago. We might fail them on two years ago. So they, they came up really short. And so sometimes Cheryl gets up. I'm, Mamas, you in the room, you feel this? Gets up on Mother's Day like a little frustrated already. Ain't nothing happened yet, right? And I want to say, give me a minute. So when she got up this Mother's Day, we're out of town. We're as a family. And, and all the boys, we're all in the basement. We've got a bedroom. They're all sleeping out on air mattresses. And Cheryl gets up. She comes to the door. And there's a banana on the floor. I'm like, boys, I know she likes bananas, but you can't, like, go get a banana and set it at the door and think she's going to be happy. So there's a banana on the floor. She picks it up like, honey, there's a banana on the floor. I'm like, I don't know nothing about it. All right. So a little while later, I, I, I peek out, and everybody's they, they, they're asleep, but they're also conscious that she's getting the banana. So I'm like, okay, there's more to the banana than I thought, and there better be some more to this banana than I thought. There's this anticipation that they all had because they had got up in the middle of the night and they filmed this video with this banana. I'm, I, I don't think it's going to be YouTube sensation. I've seen it. It's, it's, she thinks it's awesome, so don't tell her, but it's really dumb. But, <laughs> but uh, it's this effort by five sons to do some kind of crazy relay with a banana to tell their mama that they think she's awesome. And they say that in as many words. And so she Covers that. Covets that. Right. She, she got that YouTube video on lockdown and she'll show it to you right, right after this. You want to see it? She'll show it to you because she's proud of because it, it, it honors her. And they were excited because they were giving her a gift that they knew would like. She was frustrated. She was giving them this gift that she was ready to receive. These disciples, this nation of Israel, since Adam and Eve were here and were ejected from the Garden of Eden, all of mankind has been anticipating having a relationship with God again. And Jesus can't wait to give it. He's, he's, he's as excited as my son's on the air mattress is peeking out. He can't wait to give it. And it's not like some little lame video. It's, it's, it's this eternal opportunity to walk into his father's presence speak to him. So why don't we do it? We talk about God the Father. Nothing else today that you do will touch five minutes of speaking to God the Father and dropping Jesus' name. You won't have anything else you can do today that will come anywhere in comparison to those five minutes. It doesn't mean, It wouldn't matter if LeBron called you right now and said he was going to sub you in as the two guard tomorrow night for the cast. And you were going to drop 42. Some of y'all got no idea what I was just talking about. But <laughs> it would be better for you to pray for five minutes and speak to God, the father and tell him that Jesus sent you and drop his name. He closes it out with this uh, really cool statement. He says, uh, he kind of coaches, I lost my spot. And at that time, you won't need to ask me for anything. I love that. Jesus like, you won't need me anymore. I tell you the truth, you will ask the Father directly, and he will grant your request because you use my name. All right, so don't get confused. And some of y'all are thinking about that Acura Right, And you're going, I'm going to drop Jesus' name on the way out of here, and I'm going to get that accurate. I'm going to tell you something. Go to work tomorrow all right, and save some money. You can have accurate, but you better go to work tomorrow. Because God, when he hears that, and you go, I want that accurate, he's going to say, that ain't Jesus. <laughs> they put Jesus' name on it, but that ain't what Jesus was thinking. Because there is this, this significance. When you quote me, and if you know me, and if you were one of the Reeves boys comes up to you and says, my dad said, you would know whether he was telling the truth or not. Be like, no, your dad didn't say that. I know your dad, right? My dad said, I'm not going to fill in the blank because I might get in trouble for it, but there's this clear, when we put Jesus' name on it, God the Father knows exactly how Jesus thinks. So it's got to be, In conjunction with the way he thinks. He says, you haven't done this before. I love this. He's coaching them up in a very simple way. You haven't done this before. Ask using my name and you'll receive. And and more importantly, I think we get more excited about the you will receive because I think a lot of times when we pray, we think it's all about us. But he says, instead, there is this deep gift. It's it's almost as if we know what we need, but instead he says, I'm going to give you something better than that. You will have abundant joy. So, when I pray in Jesus' name and I pray according to Jesus' will and I see God move, my soul jumps for joy and I have abundant joy. It's just attractive. People that got abundant joy, people won't be around. That's why Radius White Knoll has a little reputation because there's some of y'all that got abundant joy. It's uh, a reason that. Uh, we, in, in this town, should stand out just, just because we pray. We pray in Jesus' name. We expect him to move based on his name. And when he moves, it creates this abundant joy within us. Let me, uh, let me help a little bit because I think we talk about prayer a lot and we don't give a whole lot of instruction. Jesus is giving a little bit here and I, I want to give you some from my own life that's just simple. Uh, If if your Christian life stinks Or if it's boring You probably don't know how to pray Okay, so don't freak out You're sitting in here and you're going, you're right I don't know how to pray Then That's cool, so we're learning right? So so it's this opportunity to change that By learning how to pray Uh, One of the things that I find with our marriage Is when it gets tense Almost always We ain't had enough time Cheryl called me on it. She's really good at calling me on my time. And the less time we have, it seems, like, it seems like there's even though we love each other and we're committed to each other, there's this offense between, and we kind of forget who each other is because we just haven't had time. So let me just say this. You can't have that joy in this passage if you don't have time to be with Jesus. And you got, to, bro, I'm just busy, but then you got to change something, right? But a couple times in our marriage where I was just busy and I'm hustling and we're not getting enough time together. And all of a sudden I feel like, hey, this this thing, this thing that I love so much, the person in the world that I love the most, she's not going to leave me. But I'm going to lose what I had because we just don't have time. So if you're missing this thing, perhaps it's as simple as having a time and a place to meet Jesus. There's a guy who wrote a book. His name's Bill Hybels. He's a really busy guy. He named the book. I read it 20 years ago. Too Busy Not to Pray. And so he, he found a place. He was a business guy. And he, he had a place in his office. He would go to his office early in the morning. And he, would, he had his little system. He's a systematized guy. I'm not as much. But he had his little system. And he'd just go there and he'd get on his knees and he would pray. Let, let me just say this to you. Even if you're 12 or if you're 70... If you don't designate a time and place, it just isn't going to happen. It always gets, I mean, I, and I'm living proof. It's just, we're just too busy in this world. You're just not going to do it. You keep hoping you're going to do it and make yourself feel better because you think you might do it. But you got to have time. Let me give you a couple of things. This, this is old school. This is old school church. If you grew up in church, you'd be like, I heard this before. It's ACTS, A-C-T-S. I was rebellious at as a child, so I just, not really, but anytime somebody said it's ACTS, I'd be like, it could be cats. It really could. But anyway, I, I, it, it's just a word that ACTS represents different things. The A is for adoration. You adore God, right? When's the last time? you adored somebody some of the dudes in the lab uh, I can't remember right right and some of y'all are great at it. I'm gonna tell you something right now Mr. Brazel right over here you want to talk about a dude who adores his wife right there matching blue shirts they probably planned that this morning <laughs> it comes out of him it comes out of his pores and then she she exudes his outer race he loves her and it's clear when you love somebody, you give some details. So one of the things I'll just coach you, take a minute to to adore God in the morning and tell him something about himself, right? Tell him something about himself. Stare at him for a minute and say, you are whatever, the creator, the holy one. Just like looking at at your girl and telling her what color eyes they are and looking at your fella and tell him how big his biceps are, right? I mean, that's all we want to know, ladies. I mean, whether it's true or not, just just... What are y'all laughing about? Anyway, uh, <laughs> it's this moment to say that he's great. And, and, and I, God does not need us, but he seems to enjoy having us tell him of his greatness. It's sprinkled throughout Scripture. For me, you'll, you'll laugh at me sometimes. I, I sing a little bit. I try to make sure nobody's witnessing it. And I don't know, it doesn't really matter. I'm, I'm trying to tell you what I do because you might do something different. I sing, I can only remember one line of all songs. And so I sing the line that I know and then I hum the rest, right? Like this morning I was singing, create me a clean heart, oh God. Then I just hum the rest because I don't really. And then a line comes back to me, restore. I, was, I wrote it down because the pressure talks. Restore unto me the joy of my soul. I love those two lines. Restoring to me the joy of my salvation It's a psalm that was made into a, a modern day song It's just, just a way to do it It's a way to spend time with God if, if you need a little jump start You've never done this before Get up in the morning and take a short psalm Like Psalm 23 Just read it And ask God to bring it to life And see if you can understand Where he says that he's the good shepherd See if you can track with him on that And let him work on you For a lot of us in the room This is brand new uh, but that's okay. So you're 52 and you never have learned to pray. Why not now? If it's going to give you abundant joy, why not now? i am not, it's not necessarily going to make your mortgage payment for you this week, right? Now, now it could, and he has that capability. He could buy the house. He can enlarge the house. He can shrink the house. He can do whatever he wants. He's got the power, but he's, it's not what he seems to be saying. He doesn't seem to be Promising us more stuff that we can touch He seems to be promising us something way better than that Abundant joy Something deeper than stuff Some of y'all are a little more spontaneous like me So when we talk time and place You kind of go ugh That time and place is like a good discipline But don't miss the spontaneous Used to be when Third Day would come out with CD I would put in my car Because I just like my car stereo And I would listen to the whole CD Then I listen to it again, and that takes what? 80 minutes? And just sit there and listen to the words and worship. It's just good. You're like, bro, you're weird. Yeah. But what about if I had abundant joy and I'm weird? Sometimes we'll watch a movie it drives Cheryl crazy. We go on a date, and I'll be watching a movie. If it's got a good plot, it almost always makes me worship. So then I skip out on my date and I go walk because there's just this, this thing that's stirred up in me and I just want to be with God because it produces abundant joy. And one of the things that's cool about Cheryl, like she almost always wants to be social, but she cuts me loose at that moment because she knows it's going to benefit her if I spend time with God and, and if abundant joy is a part of my life, then she gets, she gets the better piece of that. So I'm just saying... If this thing's true and we believe it, and for some of you, it's brand new, take a minute on your page in the morning. If you, if you wanted to take 15 minutes, you could do this. Write an A at the top for adoration and write something great about God and just tell him how great he is. Do it in your words. You don't even have to spell everything right because <laughs> English isn't like his favorite language. Just, just write it. Just, just write it down. <laughs> and then C is for confession, right? Acts, confession. And I think when we say the word confession, everybody starts freaking out. Oh, no, this is like the depressing part. But here, here's the reality. Confession actually gives me relief. So I'm not talking about leading you to an exercise that hurts you. I'm talking about one that gives me, you relief. When I offend the young lady over here, even if she doesn't know I offended her, Remember back in the day, I bounced a check, and I, I did not want to tell her. If I got to the mailbox first, she didn't know. It was a twenty. Back in the day, it was only like a $23 penalty or something, and, and I did not want to let her know. But it eats me up inside. She doesn't even know she's offended. She's going to be offended, I can assure you. She doesn't know she's offended yet. So she's just running along life. Everything's good, and I got this offense in my heart against her. It's in there. And I finally I got to get it off of me. And there's relief. And sometimes it doesn't go great. Sometimes it does. It's very forgiving. Sometimes not so much. But, but we're just two flawed people. And all of a sudden that unity is restored. And I'm right again. That's what confession is. It's this opportunity to get right with the living God. Let me read you something. This is uh, my favorite missionary. His name is... Uh, his last name's Walker. David Walker. This is long. So stay with me. What's killing today's church is a chronic faking good. I thought was classic. He capitalized it. It's a chronic action of faking that I'm good. So if you ask somebody, asks you right after the service, what you gonna say? How you doing? Fine. I'm faking good. All right. If you are fine, like seriously, dude, I am fine. I'm not faking good today. All right. Yeah. <laughs> faking good, which leads to a failure to confess our sins to each other, because we're so consumed with faking good, which negates our felt need for repentance. So then we really never need to tell God we're sorry for repenting, which leads to felt separation from God. So all I've talked about today, the whole reason we do communion is because there was this big gap between you and God and Jesus closed it. He made it possible for you to call God the father, your daddy, and he died for that. So he closed the gap, not just partially, he closed it. For all eternity. But in your soul. When you don't repent and confess your sins. You feel separation. It's not true. The truth is you have complete access to the father. But when you don't confess your sin. Over the course of time. It it, it leads you to feel like you're separated. And you act like you're separated. And you walk around on this earth like you're separated. And that's why nobody wants to know Jesus. It doesn't seem advantageous. Check this out. It's a great way to close it out. He says it leads to felt separation from God that we try to expunge by singing louder and saying prayers uh, that are meaningless without repentance and hoping that a word from the preacher will change our future. He quotes a verse after that, Acts 3, 19. Therefore, repent and return. I love that. So that your sins may be wiped away in order that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. What? That's good stuff. Repent and return. So it's not like you have to do, you just got to say I'm sorry and you're, you're back in alignment with the Father. Sometimes there's some work to be done. I'm not saying this is easy. But a lot of times when my heart breaks and I finally humble myself and I repent and I return, the door is open. Jesus says in, in Revelation that he stands at the door and knocks. He's not talking to folks that haven't met him yet. And that passage is actually speaking to believers. I stand at the door and knock. Anyone who comes to the door, if you would just open the door, if you would just repent and, and allow me back in, I'm in. I'm at the table and we're conversating again. This is It's good. Therefore, repent and return so that your sins may be wiped away. And again, feel this from Jesus. In order that times of refreshing may come, he's given us a gift. He's he's anticipating the joy that this is going to pass on to us. See, confession. One of the things I had to learn to do was, uh, it it would be a good exercise for me again to specifically confess. Instead of going, Please forgive me for all the sins that I've committed in the last 12 years, right? I mean, obviously, the cross takes care of all my sins. It's done. But there's this cool uh, practice on a daily grind to say, uh, forgive me for when I was short with the people at work. Forgive me. And just be clear on those things. Forgive me for what I did with my eyes. Forgive me for... For, uh, in my case, eating three helpings of uh, whatever. <laughs> you know, like, like when I know I crossed the line, let, let me just, let me start getting it really in front of the Lord. Confession. Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is like the Rodney Dangerfield of the four. Like, you, see, uh, you got adoration, confession, and Thanksgiving for some reason is just really easy to forget and give it no respect. It's, it's, it's gratitude. It's the thank you notes that are just hard to write, aren't they? It, it's the, the opportunity to stand before God and say, I, it's difficult it is for me to understand, thank you for this Zaxby's meal. Because I get it so easy, but you gave it to me. It's what's cool about blessing the food. We're not actually making Zaxby's healthy, right? When we're praying over it, we're actually thanking the Lord for providing it. And that list goes on and on for your family, even, even for the daily grind things that come along. Saying thank you to him, Acts, that's T. Finally, the last word is not a word we use a bunch in our culture, but it was a biblical word, particularly with the King James. It's the word supplication. Finally, we get to asking him for something, right? Finally, but I hope you catch this in this passage. He says, "I've spoken these matters in figures of speech," this is verse twenty-five. But soon I have spoke. Uh, 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 but soon I stop speaking figuratively and I'll tell you plainly all about the Father. And then you'll ask in my name. I'm not saying you have to ask the Father on, I I, uh, I lost. I'm not saying I will ask the Father on your behalf. You don't need me anymore. Which I love that. He just keeps saying, You're not going to need me anymore. I'm giving you the Spirit, I'm giving you the opportunity to communicate. For the Father himself loves you dearly because you love me and believe that I came from God. It's pretty cool. He says, Just ask in my name and I'll give it to you. What does that mean? How do you ask? I bother anybody? That's abused a good bit. I think as I read that passage, and I've been reading it for the past two weeks, kind of getting ready for today, my prayers have started to end in Jesus' name all the time lately. I kind of lost that because it seemed like this rep, it kind of goes with amen, it's a nice little flow in Jesus' name, amen. And it kind of got roped for me, and I read this passage, I'm like, that's why they do that. It just reminded me that I have no, I have no right to be before the Father unless Jesus. Had done what he did. And when I come before the Father and say in Jesus' name, it gives me this accountability. What did I ask? Did it line up with what Jesus would want? Because I think sometimes our ask come completely out of who we are. And, and there's this opportunity to line it up with, with who Jesus is. It's this uh, interesting little dialogue to Jesus. He's giving this great gift, but the crescendo is not... Just getting what you want from God. The crescendo is, I'm giving you what you need. I'm giving you the Holy Spirit and the opportunity to speak to me. And it actually seems like the great takeaway is that I get to speak to God. So the adoration, so that when we go through the acts, the opportunity to talk to God and tell him how awesome he is. And, and then to take my sins and put him at his feet. And then to thank him for what he's, every bit as important as asking him for help in my daily grind. Cause just because I get to talk to him. Because I call him my dad and I bring my stuff to him. Hope you catch that. So practically. You want to start a little discipline? Take a little notebook like this, get up in the morning, and write A-C-T-S on it. You just do one line if some of you, for, for some of you, and write one line where you adore, where you worship God. Confess a sin if you have to. If you cuss 34 times a day, then you can write down 34, maybe tomorrow will be 33, right? And, then, and then, um, then thank him for something very specifically. Just go, Lord, thank you for this. And it can be. It can be as simple as a meal or a bill that you got paid. But then when you ask him for something, ask specifically. And see if it lines up, if you feel really comfortable signing Jesus' name at the end. You know how you sign a card and you put you sign it sincerely and you put your... But in this case, you're going to send your little note to God, but you're going to sign Jesus' name instead of yours. So when you make your little list of things you're asking for, you can write 1 to 7, 12, 53. See if you're comfortable putting Jesus' name at the end. Would he, would he agree with these requests? It's this. It's the other really cool thing about praying specific prayers, and I, I'm going to be straight with you. I've been out of the habit of that. I started praying generic prayers, like, like bless my kids, show my kids favor. I, I've started showing a little too generic as opposed to spay, praying specifically for something to break through on them. But when I pray specifically, then I actually get to see God move. And, and, and most of the people that teach this, this great subject of prayer, they keep coming back. It seems like the discipline of prayer specifically breathes life into this thing we call prayer. Read your you last couple verses and I'm done. Jesus asked. I love this. This is a good way to end. He looks at the disciples. He's had this great talk. He said, I'll give you this great gift. And they're kind of trying to process. They're actually going to say, we finally get it. You're finally making sense. Verse 29, then the disciples said, at last you are speaking plainly plainly and not figuratively. Now we understand that you know everything and there's no need to question you. And from this, we believe that you came from God. All right, remember what's about to happen in like a couple days? (laughs) Disciples, disciples, we get it now. We're in. We're never going to leave you. In a minute, Peter's going to say, I'll never reject you. And like two days later, he's rolling out and running away from the day when Jesus is crucified. Anybody else, do you feel their pain? Jesus responds, he says, do you really? (laughs) Really? You you finally believe? I mean, we've been talking for three years now, and right now, just because of what I said right now, you finally believe? No, you don't. But he's patient, and he loves them. So he says, but the time is coming, indeed, it is here now when you will be scattered. He's actually anticipating them, not continuing to believe. You'll be scattered. Y'all run here and there. And each one of you is going on, on the way and you're going to leave me alone. So everybody in the room, I bet 50% of us in the room can identify with that right now. Jesus would say, I did all this and you've left me alone. I gave you the right to call my dad your dad. I got you to, gave you the right to sign the page that I... But you hadn't talked to me in weeks. Some of you, years. I know. I know that's what you're going to do yet I am not alone because the father don't worry about me. I'm not alone because the father is with me. I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me here on earth. You will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. It's this cool moment where Jesus acknowledges that we're going to be high and low, but he's going to be steady and he's going to stay with us. And and those of you that truly know Jesus, he says he's going to help us overcome the world. He's going to help you finish despite our crashes man i hope you feel this passage i hope you feel that he wants you to have this that it's a gift he wants you to have it this great opportunity to speak to his dad and do it freely i hope that you might take a page and write four letters on it and practice a little bit tomorrow i'm going to tell you right now it will be the difference in Red Bank If a church would just pray Now we can pray together some But we have to pray alone We have to get in a closet And shut the door every once in a while Be alone and speak to them Let me pray To <laughs> get to actually do it now Lord Seems like the best way to learn to pray Is just to pray So I know man, Some of the guys in this room Have never prayed out loud in their life And it scares them to death And it should But I pray that your spirit would uh, help them believe the verses that we've just taught. And, b- and believe that they could actually speak to you. That they'd soon become comfortable speaking even out loud to you. So that uh, they'd be filled with joy. Lord, there's some weight some people in this room carry that is just tremendous. they got a lot of chaos in their lives. Many of them hustle in ways that are very honorable to get it done to cover it, to make it right. But Lord, I I want you to show them a peace and then I, I would love it if they would slow down and not do anything and just speak to you, give you the opportunity to handle it. I'll confess for myself right here in front of everybody, Lord, you know I like to hustle. I like to go fast and there's something that's intoxicating about going fast. But there's nothing like the moments when I slow down and acknowledge the truth that you are completely in control teach us how to pray lord you know us we're all learning some of us have regressed and some of us have never touched it some of us have a great prayer life and then for all of us lord we pray your spirit would teach us and take us further i love you thanks for trusting me with these words amen